Hello and welcome back to the That Got Me Thinking podcast. My name's Nat and I'm your host and today I've got a very special guest. This is our first guest spot actually. Amazing. So I've got, yeah, I've got the wonderful Philippa with us who is otherwise known as the Wellbeing Gardener. And Philippa is a wellbeing therapist and she supports people affected by suicide and experiencing grief and has got what looks like an amazing programme from grief to gratitude. So thank you for joining us this evening, Philippa. Um, I know I've given you a little intro, but could you tell us like a little bit about you and what got you into this area of work? Ooh, where should I start? So it actually stems back 20 years Wow. Um, to um, my father basically uh, committed suicide oh, 20 years ago. And um, that led me down a quite a, a dark and destructive path for a number of years. So probably about nine years. Um, I, safe to say, I basically drank away my sorrows. Um, not not in an alcoholic sort of in the true sense of the word, but alcohol was my coping mechanism for basically not okay. dealing with the grief. Yeah, sure. And um, I thankfully got to a point where um, I was able to basically be able to feel the feelings I was supposed to be feeling, Mm. got away from the drinking, then realised that there were steps that I needed to take to to bring myself basically into a better way of life, a better position in life. And I I worked on, I did the self-development work, I did the energy work, and I got to a point where I was basically had come to terms with my, the trauma of losing my dad. Yeah. And um, I... At that point, I thought to myself, I really, really want to be able to share what I've learned, the steps and the strategies and everything that I've done to get myself to a much, much better point. I wanted to share that with people. I wanted to I wanted to make sure that other people had the strategies that I had learned and I had used in order to make my life better and to come to terms with this really terrible grief. And at the time, I thought, well, what can I do to help people? And I, um, I decided that I'd, I'd heard about homeopathy. I had been using homeopathy myself quite a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. And I decided to become a homeopath because I thought that would be a good way to be able to help people. It had helped me through my grief process. I had used it for general sort of first aid stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And I trained to be a homeopath. And that was, I qualified just over five years ago. Wow. And I've been working one-to-one with people um, over the last five years, more or less sort of dealing with it all comes down to, in the end, trauma. And Mm. a lot of my patients that have um, come through my practice, they have been through some pretty severe trauma. And it ranges from grief to abuse to, you know, anywhere in between, any kind of trauma that you can think of. I probably had somebody sitting in front of me telling me about it. And you know when you were saying about the numbing that you experienced, and yeah. you, I know you said possibly alcohol was your self mechanism. Do you find that numbing is like a common, uh, a common trait then when we're dealing with trauma and and deep grief in that way? Um, yes, and it could be. It's not necessarily alcohol. It no. could be eating. It could be. It could be sex. It could be video games. Yeah, overworking. Anything. I suppose sometimes too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's a very common one. Is overworking, um, basically anything that distracts you away from feeling 
the yeah. feelings that you're supposed to feel to yeah. come through this kind of thing because it's painful because it's difficult yeah Wow. I was thinking, okay, something that sprung to my mind then was like social media as well, because often that is an escape, isn't it? Sometimes and it's almost yeah. like a put a plaster over something, but ultimately we kind of, it's still there, isn't it? And we still got to deal with it. Yeah. I quite often just say to people, because part of my process is a lot of mindful activity, so mindfulness yeah. and um, what that involves depends on the person that, that I'm dealing with. Mm. Um, and part of that is, you know, people sort of think they can come home from work after a long day and sit in front of the TV with a glass of wine and that's relaxing. But that's not actually relaxing. That's just zoning out like a zombie and you're not actually giving yourself the, the chance to relax in doing that. So in the same, to the same token, if someone's not giving themselves the downtime in order to, to process the thoughts and feelings of mm. deep grief and deep trauma then you're never going to get to a point where you can actually come out of that. It's just, it's always putting that plaster on top. And yeah, social media, flicking through Instagram is easier than thinking about the things yeah. that you need to think about. And is there, is there, have you got your own process that you work with with clients and about working through these, um, I guess, these levels of, of grief? Yeah, so with the one-to-one -one stuff, it really depends on the person. So um, it's very tailored exactly to um, what that person presents with and how they've experienced their trauma. So mm. um, some people take a lot more um, attention than others. They need a lot more sort of hand-holding. Some not so much. Some like to be given activities to do on their own and they, they just check in every now and again. But I'm at the point now where I actually want to get to many more people because the one thing I've actually found, regardless of what you actually go through with someone and what the whatever homeopathic process they go through or whatever kind of healing process, the one thing that's missing is community. Mm. So the one you know they've all got their their little trauma bubbles wherever they are, but actually having a space to come together and support each other is what is missing. And the point I'm at now is that I've got this program that I'm I've launched um, actually today. <laughs> wow, good timing. <laughs> Yeah. and um it's basically it's it's called grief to gratitude it's a 12-week program which takes people through the strategies that i've basically been developing myself and using with my my patients for the last five years but at the end of the 12 weeks rather than just sort of sending them off on their merry way and saying okay go and do your thing now it comes with a 12-month um uh, membership program a private membership group on facebook so that you get to the end of the 12 weeks and you've still got the support to go through for mm -hmm. the following 12 months, you know, with um, extra coaching sessions, live sessions, guest speakers, all those sort of things just to keep and build this kind of community for people to be able to be part of a, a healing community within themselves. That's my, my aim. Yeah, because I think it's really easy, whatever we're going through, and it might not be as as much as grief but whatever we're dealing with I think sometimes it's really easy to think we're, we're the only people who are dealing with this thing or we're on yeah. our own and, and it's really hard then isn't it to process anything when we think oh no one understands us anyway or you know who would I turn to would they laugh at me it, would they kind of shrug it off so I think yeah I think community is huge and I think it was Tony Robbins that said it was one of like humans core basic needs is to feel part of something to feel like yeah. they belong somewhere and that people understand them and they get them because all of a sudden it, it is like a slight weight is lifted isn't it if we can get that sense of 
camaraderie with somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not feeling like you're crazy because yeah. people kind of sometimes they think, oh, I can't talk about that because they'll just think I'm mad. It's like, no, yeah. you're not. You're part of, yeah, everybody's going through their stuff and it's okay. Just mm. knowing that it's okay is is part of the healing process. And do you find there's a big pressure to um, almost put a face on, like to be okay? Like, so we're grieving, but almost like there's a pressure to be, no, everything's fine, like to put this mask on and pretend essentially that everything's okay and we're fine and we're just dealing with it when underneath it all obviously sometimes there's a lot of other things going on underneath that would kind of suggest we're not dealing with it so in such a great way yeah I mean if I, if I think about my own kind of story um back then I, in the initial sort of stages, or the initial sort of couple of weeks, I actually had to kind of take over and look after my mum because yeah. obviously for her it was it was a huge, huge loss. And, you know, she, she kind of, she stopped eating. She didn't quite know what to do. And I kind of had to step into that parental role just for, it wasn't very long. It was just a few days until she kind of processed it. And then I went into my own little sort of bubble and, and non-coping. And, and I think you know and if you, if you think about the funeral you're kind of especially in, in British culture it's not done to sit there and bawl and wail and mm. cry your eyes out because it's just not the done thing you, you're supposed yeah. to have your stiff upper lip and get on with it mm. and to a point I think that that is in certain circumstances acceptable but at some point you just have to you just have to get it out and if you bury it down in inside with anything if you suppress anything down inside it will pop out somewhere else in some other form yeah usually as some kind of illness or or somewhere or really unexpected or... all of a sudden something explodes in you when you or you say something yeah. or you react and when you think where did that come from and it's almost been built if you look back it's been building from something yeah. you know sometimes insurmountable sometimes a huge amount of grief i guess it's individual isn't it yeah yeah absolutely so philippa moving on ever so slightly um now when I was reading about your work I know like the secret and the law of attraction is a big was a big part of your journey um, and the principles yeah. behind that so I'm I love the secret and the law of attraction but I wonder if you could just give a little bit more detail for some of our listeners who are maybe not so aware about what it is and how it changed your view and and learning points I guess your perspective yeah so I'll, I'll paint the scene yeah great <laughs> Um, part of my um, part of my running away from my feelings was that I, I actually moved countries a few times. So I thought if I'm you know I'm chasing these kind of good adventures and good feelings, and I moved to Spain and I moved to Germany and I moved to Australia and back to Germany and back to Australia, and um, I got to a point in Australia where I was living in a very um, rural country town, and we and we didn't have a television for some reason. I don't know why we decided not to, but we didn't have a TV, and I basically had the time to sit and think and, and mm. kind of process the thoughts and feelings that I've been suppressing for so long. That could be really scary, can't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was It was difficult. Mm. <laughs> I think I have to say it was difficult. And then um, I think, I can't remember how I discovered it, but I came across the secret on the internet and watched it and thought, mm, okay, that's interesting, and watched it again. I think I watched it five times in a row and thought, you know, why am I? Why am I allowing myself to 
to feel these feelings? Why am I putting myself through this trauma on a daily basis when actually I could, I could change my perspective on my life. I could try and actually see the good things in my life. I mm. could put out on, you know, write a list, write a letter, put out the thoughts of, I want to feel this way, or I want to receive this in my life. And I started applying that and things started happening. And my, my mental health changed drastically. I mean, mm. it was, I, I went from, I'd always been very angry in my life. It was one thing I had all through my childhood. I was a very angry child, very frustrated teenager, very angry in my twenties and probably even into my early thirties. And this kind of this change in perspective and the way that you, you kind of look at life and, and applying gratitude to every situation that you possibly can, even if it's a bad situation, mm. it made all that anger dissipate. It was, it was revelation for me. It was yeah. amazing. Um, but anyone who knows about anyone who's worked with the, with the law of attraction a lot knows that the secret is really only scratching the surface. It's kind of, it's that first kind of entry level law of attraction type stuff because mm. it gives you the theory but actually applying that effectively into your life is a bit more tricky on a, a continuous on a continuous basis so so how did you kind of how did you do that then philip how did you obviously so you've got this brilliant knowledge all of a sudden you think god if i could just change my mindset if i could bring this gratitude yeah. in if i can if i am able to choose how i feel and choose my emotions and then what i bring to the world was there a point where you thought, oh, but how can I keep doing this? How can I do this every day? Yeah. I think the main thing I started with was just writing down lists of positive aspects. That was my mm -hmm. first thing was to say, you know, this is my life as it is now. Here are all the things that I love about that. And here are all the things that I would like to improve about this situation. And I did that for, I did that for a really long time before I actually move to the next kind of level type stuff yeah so, and was that daily or weekly how often were you doing that philippa that was daily so yeah. i was doing that daily at the time yeah mm. and actually the big turning point was um i decided at one point because i i'd moved away from england to go get away from the place where it all happened to get away from where the pain basically was yeah. sort of running away and i decided at one point that um I wrote to my mum, I wrote her a letter and apologised for basically running away and leaving oh. her there because I felt it, it kind of processing the thoughts and the feelings, I realised that I kind of left my poor mum on her own to deal with all this stuff. And even just thought, though, you know, yeah, even though you're dealing with your own, your own grief and you're trying to process yeah. your own, all of a sudden there's like a understanding that your mum was still there. Yeah, it's that understanding of perspective, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of you're able much easier to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And I wrote this letter and apologised and, you know, wow. it, was, it was just really, it was a very cathartic moment. Yeah. And at that point I decided, right, I'm going home. I'm going back to the UK. I'm ready to really take the next step. And that's when I started training to be a homeopath. And that's when things just got better and better and better. And so was the law of attraction almost the start? Because it almost sounds like very similar to your um, grief to gratitude course. Was that almost the, the beginnings of the building blocks of that then, by the sounds of it? Um, it actually, 
actually you could say in hindsight that it was <laughs> but the actual the actual kind of conception of um the grief to gratitude program only came about this year and uh it was a bit of an epiphany actually because um i've been working one-to-one with people for a long time i was actually kind of specializing at the time more towards um menopausal ladies mm-hmm. and to be honest i wasn't i wasn't loving it <laughs> it wasn't kind of lighting my fire and I was yeah thinking, you know what and I, I remember I sat down one evening and I said to myself, right, I need to, I need to find a purpose. I need mm. to really identify what my purpose is right now because things have changed, um, work situation had changed. We were in the corona situation. Yeah. Like, I, need to, I need to get a handle on what is next in my life. And I'm, I'm in this marketing group on Facebook, which is is really really great marketing group, very supportive. They're all very law of attraction type people. It's it's very sort of like minded people. And somebody said in this marketing meeting to somebody else who had their situation was they've been adopted as a child and they were working with children and someone said to them, why don't you work with adopted children? Why don't you specialise in that area? And a light bulb went on my head. You thought, wow. Why aren't I doing that? That's it. That's what I need to be doing. I need to be getting to the people who've been through or are currently in the same grief hole that I was for all those years and I need to get to them and show them how they can get out of that and how they can live this joyous abundant life even after such terrible trauma has happened to them wow that's a brilliant story Philippa because I am I watched something the other day and someone said there's two things that we all need to find as human beings that's our purpose and our passion and that really struck me and then when you gave that story then I thought it's exactly that, isn't it? We're all, maybe we're all striving in one way or another, depends on our stories and our situations. We're all looking for those things that we like, that light us up. Sometimes that's not menopause, but sometimes that can be um, no. gratitude or grief. That's So yeah. if there's people who are listening to this who are going through their own really dark periods or if they are dealing with grief or they really want to have more gratitude in their life and, and change the way they think and their perspectives what kind of maybe a few hints or tips would you give them to get started on that journey well i always i always like to give away my number one top tip oh but let's have that then philippa yeah let's have your top tip i think if you give away the good stuff then then the the other stuff is (laughs) brilliant okay (laughs) we'll have the top tip exclusively yeah Yeah. (laughs) exclusive top tip the top tip is always and and this is not it's actually a tough one so it's it's a lot of people go oh no I can't do that but it's actually forgiveness because Mm. I found over the years with any kind of trauma that anyone's been through there's these huge elements of blame and guilt either you blame someone for the way that you are feeling or you feel guilty about the way that you feel Mm. or you feel guilty about not being able to alter the situation that put you how you feel in the first place yeah and this this concept of forgiveness is so so huge and it's so important for anyone who wants to really really propel themselves into a better life is you've got to forgive either yourself or the person that you perceive has caused you this trauma it's really it's 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 my number one thing that needs people need to actually get a grasp of. It's not something you can do in the first session. It's mm-hmm. not something you can probably do in the first three or four sessions. But there is a point, and I, I think, if I think about my patients, if I've got one in particular, obviously I wouldn't say who it is, but yeah, yeah. it took, took 
took them probably about, around about the fifth or the sixth session with me. We got to a point where they forgave this person for the for the terrible things that had happened to them in their life, and it was just amazing. The 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 way that they their mental health changed, their health changed, their physical health changed. It was mm. just a, a monumental kind of act and a monumental period in their life where they could apply this and they could accept this forgiveness, forgive the person, and then their life just changed after that. So that's my number one top tip. Sounds like almost like a process of letting go of those emotions in in a way. Yeah, I think letting go is, is a very, I always find it personally very difficult to understand what that means because... Mm. You know, how do you let go of an emotion? And well, I surrender. I always find that. I yeah. love the word and I love the connotations to it, but I always find it so difficult. And when you said forgiveness then, I thought was, that will, that really resonated with me and I know it will with a lot of people about forgiving ourselves. I think we always feel like it's always a common one, isn't it, to forgive other people. But really yeah. we hold a lot of, of negativity towards ourselves and so they're even realising it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's difficult, but I think it's like you say, if you, that, that word surrender, it kind of, it sounds really great, but how do you do that? Mm. And I think my strategies, my, the way that I do things is rather than pushing something away and letting it go, you're actually just putting more of the positive thoughts, more of the mindfulness, more of, you know, it's kind of it's the two ends of the stick. So if you've got the know the the negativity on one end the positivity on the other you just want to put more on the positivity end so it's heavier and it wins so you're tipping your scales essentially you're tipping the scales yeah yeah oh wow philippa i love that i'm gonna i'm gonna try and work on my forgiveness there's definitely areas that i straight away i thought oh yeah and sometimes you know when you think you've done the work and then something comes up and you think oh i've there's a little bit more there still is is it more yeah. can it be a process i guess is my question yeah and that's that's why the program is it's 12 weeks of um zoom calls so interactive mm-hmm. live with me but that's why it's 12 months because it's a process it takes practice because yeah. we're kind of conditioned to we're conditioned to complain especially if we're from the uk there's nothing we better <laughs> than complaining <laughs> You condition, you're kind of conditioned in these little little tiny negative things that, that nudge you in the negative direction every day. And it's actually just practicing and changing mm. habits and changing the way that you react to a situation with your through your subconscious mind rather than, you know, you, you can yeah. practice consciously, but you need to reprogram that subconscious mind to react in a different way. Yeah. And that's the, that's the process is just to keep nudging at it mm. bit by bit off a break because yeah because essentially we've all been programmed as children haven't we and we've uh, taken in our society or our parents or social media all those things have kind of conditioned us in a certain way we've borrowed different parts of us essentially and we're unlearning our learning wow yeah that's quite profound philippa for for an evening isn't it wow yeah. Thank you so much for this. This has been amazing. Where can um people find you, Philippa? 
Okay, I'm on all your normal social media channels. So yeah. I'm on Facebook at The Wellbeing Gardener. I have a website, which is thewellbeinggardener.com. You can find me on Instagram at the underscore wellbeing underscore gardener. I'm on Twitter. I think I'm the wellbeing G on Twitter. I love that. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll find me there. Amazing. Thank you ever so much for being with us tonight. I've loved speaking with You're you. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, thank you ever so much.